Hello, Middle-Earth Wanderers. Today we are exploring the lore in Amazon's Rings of Power Episode 6, Udun. We have so much to wander through. I'll share some Easter eggs that I've noticed and dig deep on Adar's revelations about Sauron. I'll start by saying spoiler alert. If you don't want the episode spoiled for you, then listen to this podcast after you watch Rings of Power. As always, if you like what you hear today, please leave a rating and review and share with someone else who is wandering Middle-Earth yet may be lost. Lastly, in the show notes, you'll find links to purchase the books that I reference, and you'll also find a link to Red Circle, where you can leave a financial donation. Doing so helps me to continue wandering Middle-Earth with you. Welcome! In the Lore of the Rings podcast, we wander the world of J.R.R. Tolkien by exploring the foundational epic stories from the deep past of Middle-Earth. If you enjoyed Tolkien's books, or maybe Peter Jackson's movies, or perhaps you're excited for Amazon Studios' new series, The Rings of Power, and you want to dive deeper into the rich world of Middle-earth? Then listen and subscribe. Bagovanian, fellow wanderers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode by far has been my favorite Rings of Power episode. It's not without its criticisms, like unclear character motivations, some continuity and timing issues, but I'll admit that I laughed, I teared up, and I thoroughly enjoyed watching episode 6. Let's start with some Easter eggs, and these aren't in chronological order, but bear with me. For my listeners who may not be familiar with the term Easter egg in a TV show, Wikipedia says, quote, an Easter egg is a message, image, or feature hidden in software, a video game, a film, or another usually electronic medium. I would also add that Easter eggs in shows or games usually have some sort of callback or connection that keen-eyed fans understand. And you, Middle-Earth Wanderers, are keen-eyed fans. My first two Easter eggs have to do with water, and how water was used to inverse effect from how we see it in Peter Jackson's movies. So, in The Rings of Power, we see a dam being released and rushing waters roar under the earth, before finally mixing with underground lava, or magma, someone correct my geological terms, I couldn't help but think that this is the inverse of what we see in the Two Towers movie, where the ants break the dam above Isengard, and all the water flows down to douse the orcish fires and cleanse the evil doings of Saruman. What we see in Rings of Power is the opposite. Rushing water doesn't wash away evil, rather ignites it, causing a volcanic eruption. When I first saw this, I was like, oh no way, that is cool. And then I thought, Could that really happen? Here's a line from an abstract of an article written in Nature called Dynamic Mixing of Water and Lava. Quote, The heat content of lava is such that if roughly equal volumes of lava and water are rapidly mixed, the resulting pressure may be enough to cause further dynamic mixing of a lava flow under the ocean, leading to a catastrophic explosion. So yeah, 
It's possible. Just don't try that for your fifth grade science experiment. But I'm not done with water yet. One of my favorite shots from Two Towers is when Gandalf and the Balrog fall through the pits of Moria, slowly falling to an under-mountain lake. This shot is epic in its proportions, and I think provides an accurate visual to this line from Gandalf when he meets Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli again. Quote, I have passed through fire and deep water since we parted. Gandalf and the Balrog, both being of the Maiar, which is that class of spiritual beings that serves the Valar, were both spirits of fire in their nature. So in Peter Jackson's movie, we see two fire spirits falling into the depths of underground water. In Rings of Power, we again see the inverse of that shot. The water is rushing underground, Adar lays down so he can hear it, which is another inverted easter egg, right, of Aragorn listening to the orcs with his ear on the ground. Then we see the lava flows underground as the water falls from above. Let me recap these two points. In the two towers, we saw fire falling into water. Rings of power gave us water falling into liquid fire. In the two towers, water washed away evil. In rings of power, it provided a means for evil to flourish. Okay, that's enough about water. Here's a couple more Easter eggs from this episode. When Galadriel sees Middle-earth and Isildur cannot, he says, quote, Keen are the eyes of the elves. Isildur's heir, Aragorn, would later say that exact line to Legolas, as the elf is describing the writers of Rohan. This line was also reinterpreted in the films when Aragorn says, quote, Legolas, what do your elf eyes see? A little later, Alindil informs Muriel about the distance to Middle-earth. As he closes the door, the handle is in the middle of the door, reminiscent to hobbit doors, which have the knob in the center of the door. Although I'm not sure how Numenorean architecture influenced the hobbits of the Third Age. Skipping ahead, we see Arondir attempting to destroy the black sword hilt, breaking a hammer in the process, and saying, quote, It is beyond our skill to destroy. The obvious callback is to the Council of Elrond as portrayed in the movie Fellowship of the Ring. Gimli impulsively attempts to destroy the One Ring with his axe, which explodes in his hand. Elrond explains, quote, The ring cannot be destroyed, Gimli, son of Cloyne, by any craft that we here possess, which I think is a much more poetic way of saying it, and subsequently is a near-exact quote from the same scene in the book, but a little less obvious of a connection for the line, It is beyond our skill to destroy, is when Frodo is stabbed by a Morgul blade on Weathertop, and Aragorn says in the movie, quote, This is beyond my skill to heal. If these two lines from Fellowship and Rings of Power are related, that furthers the theory that Theo will later become one of the Nazgul. We also have Elvish being spoken to horses to both speed them up and calm them down. The first is Galadriel riding her horse in pursuit of Adar. As a side note, this is another inversion of a Lord of the Rings scene. We have an elf chasing an evil character who possesses an evil magical item, which is the inverse of Arwen the elf being chased by the Nazgul while Frodo possesses an evil magical item. And in both pursuits, they encourage their white horses with these elvish words, Norolim, Norolim. This is a callback to the chapter called Flight to the Ford in Fellowship of the Ring, where Glorfindel, not Arwen, encourages his horse, quote, Ride on, ride on, cried Glorfindel. And then loud and clear, he called to the horse in elf tongue, Norolim, Norolim, as Feloth. According to TolkienGateway.net, this is a Sindarin phrase meaning, Run swift, run swift, Asphaloth. Asphaloth being the horse, that is. But this isn't the only elvish spoken to a horse in this episode. Later on, Isildur fails to calm his horse. But Elendil speaks some elvish words to the horse, and he calms down. He says, Aithai, 
no edui. This phrase is beyond my skill to translate. But it brings to mind a Peter Jackson departure from Tolkien when Aragorn is able to speak Elvish to the horse Brego, calm him down, and form a bond in which Brego rescues Aragorn. The Elindil scene is a nice callback to that. But all of that ignores a lore discrepancy. The Numenorians didn't use horses in battle. But it's not that big a deal, so I won't criticize it too much. While we're speaking about speech, let's define some terms we hear the orcs saying in black speech. While the orcs are entering the seemingly empty tower, one shouts, Gimbatul, meaning find them. This is one of the phrases of the rings verse, quote, one ring to rule them all, one ring to find them. Nampat, the word the orcs like to chant, means death. And Udun, the title of this Rings of Power episode, has several meanings. It's a Sindarin elvish word for pit or hell. It's also the valley in Mordor that is situated right behind the Black Gates that Frodo attempted to storm. And most relevant for this episode, perhaps, Udun was another name for Morgoth's ancient fortress in the far north, more commonly known as Utumno. This was Morgoth's fortress before the First Age of Middle-earth, and according to Robert Foster's The Complete Guide to Middle-earth, it was at Utumno, aka Udun, where Morgoth, quote, gathered his Balrogs, and he may have bred orcs and the great spiders there. And now you know a little more about Gandalf's great line when he's on the bridge of Khazad-dûm, and he says to the Balrog, quote, The dark fire will not avail you, flame of Undun. Perhaps the most beautiful gem of an Easter egg in this episode is Bronwyn saying to Theo to help him calm down, quote, In the end, this shadow is but a small and passing thing. There is light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. Find the light, and the shadow will not find you. A couple of connections with this. First, when Frodo and Sam are crossing Mordor, Sam has this moment of despair, but he looks up at the night sky and sees, quote, there, peeping among the cloud rack above a dark tor high up in the mountains, Sam saw a white star twinkle for a while. The beauty of it smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land and hope returned to him. For, like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. To go back further, let's examine why the stars were created and their role in Tolkien's mythology. The member of the Valar who created the stars was Varda, or as she is much more commonly referred to in the Lord of the Rings books, Elbereth. When Elbereth learned of the elves' awakening, she created new and brighter stars for the elves to look upon. Quote, she began a great labor, greatest of all the works of the Valar since their coming into the world. She took the silver dews of Telperion, and therewith she made new stars and brighter. She gathered some of these stars into constellations. Quote, Many other ancient stars she gathered together, and set as signs in the heavens, and high in the north as a challenge to Morgoth. She set the crown of seven mighty stars to swing Valacirca, the sickle of the Valar, and a sign of doom. So Elbereth created the stars to give light and hope to the elves, as well as to foretell many future events, and to challenge the shadow of Morgoth. The stars are out of Morgoth's reach. He can't take them down or extinguish them. He can only obscure them or cover them with clouds, smoke, and mists of shadow as his servant Sauron also attempted to do. The stars, and Morgoth's inability to affect them, illustrates Tolkien's view of good versus evil. Good exists, regardless of evil. 
Good exists in a realm that evil cannot touch. The shadow cannot defeat light. It may cover it, obscure it, distort it, but it cannot extinguish it. To quote Tolkien again, quote, In the end, the shadow is only a small and passing thing. There is light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Where is Sauron? I no longer think Adar is Sauron. His and Galadriel's conversation makes that fairly clear. And I'm in Galadriel's camp. I don't believe Adar when he says that he split open and killed Sauron. Let's examine what Adar has to say about Sauron, line by line. First he says, quote, After Morgoth's defeat, the one you call Sauron devoted himself to healing Middle-earth. I don't think Galadriel's buying that motivation for Sauron. However, for a while, Sauron did repent of his evil ways. In Tolkien's book, The Cimmerillion, we get this description, quote, When Morgoth was overthrown, Sauron put on his fair hue again and did obscience to the herald of Manwe, and abjured all his evil deeds. And some hold that this was not at first falsely done, but that Sauron in truth repented, if only out of fear, being dismayed by the fall of Morgoth and the great wrath of the lords of the West. But the herald of Manwe instructed Sauron to return to the West and receive judgment from the Valar, which Sauron was unwilling to do. So he, quote, hid himself in Middle-earth, and he fell back into evil, for the bonds that Morgoth had laid upon him were very strong. But what if Sauron actually had, if even for the briefest moment, devoted himself to healing Middle-earth? What would a healed world look like, according to Sauron? I think there's a hint of this in the half-truths that Sauron tells the elves of Eregion in the Second Age, when he is trying to persuade them to follow him. Quote, I perceive that you love this Middle-earth, as do I. Is it not then our task to labor together for its enrichment? Wherefore should Middle-earth remain forever desolate and dark, whereas the elves could make it as fair as Eresea, nay, even as Valinor? Sweet words of honey from a silver-tongued snake attempting to subvert the elves, which is exactly what Adar hints at in his next line, quote, bringing its ruined lands together in perfect order. Ah, yes, perfect order. Under Sauron's domination, that is. Yes, that's what healing would look like. Sauron on the top of the power hierarchy in Middle-earth, with no pesky other wills or powers to challenge him. Sounds a bit like Emperor Palpatine and his first galactic empire. Just saying. Adar continues, quote, he sought to craft a power, not of the flesh, but over flesh. Okay, this line is a little vague to me. What does over flesh mean? Does it mean to overcome death? Not sure why immortal Sauron would need that. Does it mean the ability to create new life of his own dark imaginings, like his master Morgoth attempted to do? Again, with all the evil creatures that Sauron could call to his rule, not sure why he would need to create more. 
but he was a follower of the craftsman Valar Aule, so maybe the drive to create new things was alive and well within him. Does it mean to dominate those who have bodies? That makes a lot more sense for Sauron, who wished to dominate all other beings. Whatever its nature over flesh, this power, Adar claims, is a power of the unseen world. What is the unseen world to Tolkien? To best explain it, let's contrast it with the seen world, that which can be materially viewed. However, there was a spiritual world, not material, which he called the unseen. Take this line from Aragorn as he and Legolas and Gimli pursue the orcs who hobbit-napped Merry and Pippin. Quote, there is some will that lends speed to our foes and sets an unseen barrier before us, a weariness that is in the heart more than in the limb. And this one, when Aragorn is in the paths of the dead, quote, all the paths behind were thronged by an unseen host that followed in the dark. Perhaps Gandalf said it best, quote, here in Rivendell there live still some of his chief foes, the elven wise, lords of the Eldar, from beyond the furthest seas. They do not fear the ringwraiths, for those who have dwelt in the blessed realm live at once in both worlds, and against both the seen and the unseen they have great power. Back to Adar's claims, he says that Sauron beckoned as many as would follow him to the far north. Is this the ancient stronghold of Morgoth, Utumno, or Udun that we discussed earlier? We then get a lot of flashes back to the first episode of Rings of Power. The icy fortress, magically killed orcs, a Balrog head sculpture, and we also know that some Second Age orcs would not follow Sauron. I've quoted this line from Karl Hostetter's quote, The Nature of Middle-earth, before. These orcs dwelt primarily in the east and were, quote, stronger, descendants of Morgoth's kingship, but long masterless, and they, quote, were not subservient to Sauron. While he was obliged for the cozening of western men and elves to wear as fair a form and countenance as he could, they despised him and laughed at him. So Sauron had to actively work at gathering Morgoth's servants under his leadership. Apparently, there wasn't a good succession plan in place, should Morgoth fall. Doesn't that demonstrate Morgoth's pride? But at our claims, something was missing. Quote, a shadow of dark knowledge that kept itself hidden, even from him, no matter how much blood he spilt in its pursuit. I do not know what was missing for Sauron. However, as the rapid shots of orcs and Balrog suggest, these corrupted creatures of Morgoth were not strong enough to help Sauron achieve this power. This brings to my mind this line from the Silmarillion, quote, Men he found the easiest to sway of all the peoples of the earth, but long he sought to persuade the elves to his service, for he knew that the firstborn had the greater power. This dark knowledge that Sauron sought, could it not be found by spilling the blood of orcs? Did Sauron need a stronger being, a more powerful being, like an elf, in order to find this power over flesh from the unseen world? Was it for this reason that he went among the elves in fair form, giving himself the name Anatar, the Lord of Gifts, and teaching Celebrimbor how to craft rings of power? And did Sauron finally succeed? Did he find this power over flesh? Is that why he could finally make the One Ring? We'll have to wait and see. Thanks for listening and exploring the lore behind Rings of Power Episode 6, Udun. From inverted and beautiful Easter eggs to elvish and orcish languages, to the power of light over shadow and the intentions of Sauron, we've wandered through a lot of lore today. However, we received a major revelation in this episode 
We now know who Adar is, one of the corrupted elves who fathered the race of orcs. But it's not that simple. Adar and Galadriel have opposing views on the origin and nature of orcs. What does the lore say? We'll wander those tales in my next episode. So come back Thursday for more Lore of the Rings. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.